ride with me in my foul life. Podcast World, what's up? Chat Belling back at you. Another episode of the Foul Life Podcast. Again, thank you all so much for subscribing, leaving us ratings and reviews. Thank you for supporting the sponsors and partners that support us here at the Foul Life TV, the Foul Life Podcast. This life ain't for everybody. All of our brands, all of our sister brands. It's truly humbling to be able to work in this industry and see it grow every day and just trying to stay optimistic through this quarantine. We're going to do it. We're all going to come out of it on the better side of the mountain. We're going to kick some butt when we get out of here. So I hope you all are training hard, nutrition, making a better version of yourself every day. Just uh, keep that in mind. Short-term goals, mid-term goals, long-term goals. Take care of your family. Take care of your community. It'll all come out in the wash, as my friend Miranda Lambert would say. If y'all haven't heard that song, you need to listen to it. Today's episode of the Foul Life Podcast is, again, brought to you by our friends and family at Gerber Gear. Check out their knives for everything you need for hunting, camping, fishing, living life tools. They're made in America. They're made in Oregon. They employ American citizens, and they are truly the best blade I've ever used in my life from filleting a fish, from cleaning a duck, to cleaning a speckle belly goose, to building the duck blind, to fixing the boat motor, the boat trailer, the UTV, the ATV, Gerber gear. They're always there for us in a pinch. As soon as we reach for them, they're right there in our waiter pockets, in our front pockets of our jeans, our blue jeans, our Levi 501s. Today's guest of the Foul Life podcast is a a person that you've heard his name mentioned here before by guys like me, guys like Kelly Powers, guys like John David Stanley, the 2018 and the 2019, he defended his title last year in Easton, Maryland during the Chesapeake Waterfowl Festival and the World Goose Calling Championship. Kyle Jones, what's up, my man? Not a whole lot, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, buddy, you uh, you got a turkey fan behind you. You got some trophies on the wall. Is this kind of like your? Is this a, a, a your calling room right here? Um, no, this is just. It's actually just our office. Um, so that bird, he's from South Carolina. That was my first South Carolina bird, and then I've just got a couple. Uh, see if I can pan out over them. There's a couple trophies back there that are, you know, from some fun contests back in the day, and uh, it's just a just cool to be able to look back on them and remember who I was with and where I was at and everything like that. Yeah, dude, calling is, it opens so many doors. That's what Kelly and I were talking about. It's a, I don't know if, you know, we were in the heyday of it, I think. I don't know if you're even in the heyday of it. You got, you got, you call against unbelievable callers, but it just seems like there was a lot more contests. I don't know. I'm, I could be wrong on that because I'm out of the loop a little bit, but it seemed like there was one or two contests a week for a long time there back in the mid 2000s. And, but you, how old are you, Kyle? I am 28 years old. So 28 years old, you've been on this contest trail since when? For 10 years, is it fair to say? Eight years? When did you start? Uh, I, my first contest was in August of 2007. So I've been I've been at it for about 13, 13 years now. And uh, man, it's whenever I first started was, you know, there was still some quality contests, but it was like one every two to three months. Um, but I always hear, you know, talking to Hunter, or talking to any of the guys like Kelly, they're always like, man, you know, back in the summertime, even in the fall time, there was one like every single weekend and everybody was there, you know, there's 30 to 40 guys out there. So it was, it's, it's something that I'm hoping that we can turn it around and kind of get it back to what it was. But, uh, man, I, I, I missed the, the heyday of calling by about three to four years. Yeah, I don't know if you missed the heyday. I think that you're still, I think, well, I you you might have. I, I don't know if it would have changed the results. I think you would have competed no matter what with your skills and your work ethic. But there was, I think, smaller room for air back then, if that's fair to say. Because if you if you hiccuped one time and you had somebody like Trinan or Powers or the Dameron Brothers or Hunter Grounds or, you know, you can, John David Sound, you can just keep naming them, right? Big, big Sean, Field Hud and all. Um, and you know way more callers than I do. But back in those days, Bill Saunders and and the guys that were really on the trail and that were, that were chasing it, it just seemed like there was less room for air. The talent hasn't gotten any different. And I think you guys are probably even more advanced, even though as a whole, I mean, you know, there's a lot more callers making a lot more sounds today. There's, you know, before it was your, your, your prime guys were trailblazing those new sounds and those new progressions or chord pro progressions, if you will, like on a guitar or whatever. Um, there was just less room for air. I think, I think if you made a mistake, uh, 
you know, you'd you'd fall five, six points behind just because the other callers were so keyed in on on their sounds and their routine. So I don't think that you would have had any different results. I think you still would have been winning as much as you do. But like when you you've made mistakes that I've seen live, you've uh, you made a mistake in the team contest or the live goose or whatever it was last year in Easton, and you could just see it. You could tell that that is right there would would not probably knock you out in 99% of the contest back when we were calling um not by me i mean there was way better callers than me but i think that i just think that it's it it, it is what it is you got to go with what you what time it is and if somebody wants to step up and try to take Kyle Jones title they got to do it and in Easton last year you had 20 strong callers that were coming after you and i i i still to this day cannot i had i had you in the top 3 and then in the last round i was like i think Kyle's going to win this deal and you had the bullet so talk to me a little bit about contest call. We're going to get to this last contest, this 2019 contest, but why did you why did you even venture into it? Are you just a competitor? Yeah, I mean, so you know, I played competitive baseball very highly, you know, at a high level for a while. And I got into hunting and one of the guys that was teaching me goose calling, he's like, "Man, you should, you know, you should really get into competition goose calling. You're getting pretty good. And in all honesty, he's, he knows that if you go and do it, you know, and, and learn how to do it and learn these different notes, it's only going to help and transition over into a field later on. Um, and so I stepped on stage and man, I was like, dude, this feels like me coming in and the bottom of the, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth inning, trying to come in and close out a game. Like it was like that nerve wracking, you know, you step up on stage and your adrenaline's pumping and you know that, man, I've only got 90 seconds to do the best I can. And that just kind of took me and I, I grasped it and just wanted to do it more and more and more. And actually, so, you know, that, that kind of, I just got completely, you know, intertwined and man, I've, I've only gone to one contest and I've met 10 other kids that love doing what I'm doing. I met 20 other guys that are sitting around watching the goose calling contest and, and talking about hunting. We were able to talk about hunting all day. Um, and it just, that adrenaline rush was so similar to, to a sport that I was just like, all right, yeah, I'm going to keep on going. And then, uh, one of the, one of the contests I actually went to, I had told my coach that I was going to like a month before. And I was like, Hey coach, you know, I'm not going to be here for this. It was a weekend tournament deal. Um, and I got halfway down there and the coach calls me and he's like, where are you at dude? And I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to be there. I told you like last month. And he's like, well, you've got a whole team that you just let down. I was like, well, coach, dude, I told you. Like I told you, I'm not going to be there. So I don't know what you want me to do. I'm already halfway to Ohio waterfowlers boot camp, And the next day I met Fred Zink. So it was just kind of like all kind of came together. You know, I, it just was like a, all right, well, I'm not going to go and turn around and go back to play baseball. I'm going to go to this goose con contest. And then that very next day, man, it was like, I met field. I met Fred. I met so many guys that just kind of like took me right underneath their wing at that very instant and it just like propelled me uh to want to compete more want to go to these shows and contests more so well, were, were you were you going to compete in ohio at the boot camp yeah I was. what call were you blown at that time who at, at that time uh my very first couple of contests i blew a lynch mob uh george lynch lynch mob executioner um and that was just because he was a he was a local michigan guy and it went from that and then I went from a lynch mob executioner to a zinc little man. Uh, and then Fred was like, dude, you can't be, you can't be blowing that on, on the stage. Cause it's, it's a, it's too high pitched and B it's, it's just not meant for that. I mean, you know, you, you hunted with one for a long time, but it's great hunting call. Great hunting uh, call. And then he's just like, all right, you need to be blowing this moneymaker. And so I went from blowing the little man to a moneymaker and I blew a moneymaker for three three full years in contests, even out hunting and everything like that. But it was just, it was just kind of cool how it all came together within a matter of, you know, what's your, hours. what's, what's Lynchy up to now? Is he still in the call game? Uh, yeah, he's still, he, I'm pretty sure he's still running. Uh, he, he lives in Iowa. So, you know, he's a, 
he's a huge deer hunter, turkey hunter, waterfowler, but man, he lives like, he always tells me and he always, he always sends me pictures of big deer. Uh, and he's, he lives right next to a refuge and he's still doing the call game. He'll, he'll still, he'll still come to shows like he'll be at Rogers and Presley's and, and stuff like that. He'll show up there and judge goose calling contest, tune goose calls and, and hang out and have a good time. So you're on, you're on a moneymaker for three years. You, are you winning at this time? Right now you're probably what, 19, 18, 19 years old, 20 years old by the time you're really getting into your flow with the moneymaker. I became like obsessed with goose calling and want to become better. So in 2007, you know, I competed in a couple contests and got my butt whooped each one, you know? And so I just had that competitive attitude. And in 2008, I was blowing a moneymaker, actually won junior world goose. So I'd only been calling a year, but I had been practicing two hours almost every single day. But there had to be something else because that's not normal to pick it up that fast. Like I, I understand that there are guys that are phenomenons or, you know, just that were meant to do this, but goose calling at that level to go to Easton and win the world junior goose, which guys like Hunter grounds have won it. John David Stanley, that's not an easy contest to win. There's a lot of good junior goose callers. So you coming in and winning it, you know, with one year under your belt or two years under your belt, there's got to be something else. Is there a musical background? Is your dad driven in music? Did you guys play the saxophone blowing up? Did you play the clarinet you, or anything like that? There's no musical background like that or instrumentation. No, the only, the really the only thing uh, with the people that I met at calling contests, they were able to help, you know, build those routines, whether it was Fred, whether it was field. Uh, I talked to Robbie Iverson, who's, three-time world goose calling champion, yeah, world bad. champion and champion. Yeah. We call, I mean, we talk to each other every single day on the phone. That's not kidding. Like my parents were pissed because the phone bill, you know, it was back whenever you just had minutes on a cell phone and I would be, we'd be on the phone. I'd blow a goose routine. He'd blow a goose routine. He's like, well, I think this is what you need to work on. And then I'd tell him the same. And we just kind of like fed off of each other and wanted to improve. So that way, you know, we're, whenever we get to a contest, it's me winning or him winning. And then I'm in second or he's in second. Like it was, it was just back and forth, back and forth and just working together. So you, at this time, was it a natural dis, um, you know, you got unattached to baseball after the coach makes this call and you go meet Freddie in Ohio, where you like, this is my calling right now. I'm done. I'm done with the baseball. Or did you go back and get back on that team? No, that was it. That, that was, was it. Like, so you found your calling in, so, so there's a couple of different things happening. If I'm, if I'm reading this story, right. Reading the Kyle Jones story, right. Your, your competitive flair is there. You love to compete. You love to whip some ass when, whether it's goose calling or baseball, you still to this day, work out, you're a trainer, you love getting after it in the weights. You still have that competitive drive. You're still winning goose contests, but at the, in the roots of it, you were seeing how special this industry was. You were seeing how special the people were the camaraderie, the night, the nightlife after the contest of the dinners and maybe a cold beer and reminiscing about the hunting season. And then you're starting to pick people's brains. So you're starting to become a better goose caller. You're starting to become a better hunter and you're starting to develop a network that here we are 10, 12 years later to where now you're working full time in the industry and you've transitioned into a new role, which we'll get into, but that's really what's going on. You're starting to lay the foundation in the, in the, that bottom layer of bricks into what becomes your, you know, your story or the house that you start to build in the goose hunting, duck hunting industry. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what, it, what it was is, you know, after my first year of goose calling and competitive duck and goose calling, you know, and meeting the right people, uh, it was kind of one of those things where, you know, Fred was great and Fred pr- provided me a lot of opportunities to work through his company. And at that point it turned in from, well, this was just a hobby if I become really, really good at it and, and take care of, you know, and and take care of what I need to take care of, this can provide me a job potentially later on. If I, if I know the right people, um, and, and get the right opportunities later on down the road. Yeah. It's I I can see that happening. So you, you go to Easton, you win the world goose, take me through the next couple of years, the next couple of steps of, the zinc days and how, where is that going? 
How does that change? When does that start to change? Because it did. Obviously, you did. You you went another route, but I'm trying to remember. I know some of the details, but tell me, help me, help me through that transition, Kyle, of winning the winning the junior world on a moneymaker, being on Team Zinc, hunting on videos and DVDs, and doing everything you're doing with Field and 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 the guys on that team. Give me a little bit of insight of where that road takes you. Okay, uh, so. In 2008, I had won the Junior World Goose Calling Championship. Uh, and then that December, so a month after, um, a month after I'd won, you know, Fred was like, hey, you know, we want you to design a call. So I, we put our heads together and we started designing some calls, you know, and, and the call that we came out with was the NOS, the Nightmare on Stage. Uh, and then there was you know, a few other ones that we were kind of, uh, toying with the ideas with. Um, and so they presented me an opportunity to design my own call, have a name on a call and just be the, I guess the, their, I don't know, their, their goose guy for, for a young kid, you know, he was Fred's, a you know, Fred, man, he's a, he's a business guy. He knows the industry in and out and, He's like, we want you to design a goose call that's going to help and be appealing to the 25 and younger crowd because that's really the next generation of goose hunters. So we came out with a call that had flames on it and, and all that stuff. It was just, it was overall cool looking call, a great sounding call. And for a few years, you know, I was competing with that. Fred was like, look, we're going to go back to, uh, back to what I used to do when I was calling for grounds is we had a whole team. He's like, I want you to assemble some of the best callers you can and have them all blown our calls. You know, we'll go, go around the country and uh, we'll compete at these goose calling contests. And I mean, everywhere you went, you saw every goose calling contest you went to, you saw a red shirt with a, a, a avian X logo on there. And it was just, you knew that that guy there was blowing zinc calls and he was there to, to hopefully win and, and compete. Uh, so, you know, we got a couple guys like Mike's mothers. He's been around for a long time. He was competing back in 2003, 2004, and he was young and he's a talented caller. And we got John walls on board. Uh, and John is, John would be my favorite right now to win world goose this year, just cause he's, he's a, unbelievably talented caller. So we had all these guys going around the country and traveling around. Um, we did that for a few years. Did you just um, concede your title? No, no, definitely not. Definitely okay. not. All right. No. Cause that sounded kind of weird. I don't want you to no, start he, getting soft well, on I mean, me. He's uh he's, he's it. I mean, you know, everybody's got their, their favorites that they come out with. And I mean, he's been pushing the envelope every single year. Uh, and I mean, had he not messed up last year, he probably would have been the top three, just like he was the year before, you know, in, in 2000 and yeah, he sounds good. He sounds really strong. Yeah. He, he just does some crazy stuff on a goose call. That's special. Um, but so you're, so you're coming up and you're, you, you start building this team with Freddie and you, you know, Freddie is a genius in the business. He did a great job of building up avian X and the Turkey side of it, the waterfowl side of it, zinc calls. Um, we all know the story there and where it went. But before that, did you stay with Freddie all the way up until the, you know, until your move to power calls with Kelly or was that what, where, where, where did that start or how did that end with Freddie? Um, so to be honest, um, I, you know, I was, had a different feeling about, uh, some things that were going on and, you know, that was just my, my perception of it. Uh, I was a 18, 19 year old kid going through college and, and everything like that. And, um, in all honesty, I kind of made a, and I'll put it on myself. I made a little bit of a selfish decision and was like, look, I'm, I'm just gonna just test the waters and get out there and just do my own thing. And so, you know, there was, you know, Fred was, there's a little bit of, uh, not, re not resentment, but not anger either. There's just a little bit of, you well, know, what was it? It had to be resentment. It had well, to be I mean, pissed was, off. I mean, he helped you, his feelings are, he helped you design a call. You design a call. Yeah. You have nightmare on stage. You're winning contests for zinc. He's already kind of trailblazed this path to get guys like you, their start. 
you come in, you find something wrong with the relationship or whatever it is, none of my business. You say, I'm going to go test the waters and go out on my own. Freddie's like, holy shit, he kind of, you know, what happened to Kyle Jones? He was wearing a red shirt with the Avian X logo on it on the world stage last week. And now he's, how, where, where did you go? Yeah. So on it for the first year, I just kind of blew all different types of calls. You know, I was just trying to find one that, that worked, but I think, you know, I, I did make a mad because I went directly to one of the guys that he was working with. Um, and that was field, uh, fit with field proven calls. So, you know, there was, there was a little bit of, uh, there was a little bit of, attitude i guess you'd want to say angst angst yeah so uh, field had already left zinc calls field goes yes. and starts field proven calls had clay left zinc by this time yes he was down he was going to so y'all were in kentucky together well i lived in michigan you so, were in michigan there in kentucky where you live in kentucky now yep yep so and that was just kind of you know uh hey i i i know you guys you guys are good dudes and I mean, I'll just figure out use your call and, and compete. And when you see Fre- when you see Freddie now, is it uncomfortable still at all? No, 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 not, not one a, bit. No, actually, the first time I saw him was my job interview for Higdon and Power Calls was NWTF of 2017. The I went down there to work a show, and they were like, "Hey, we're going to do an interview with you here while you're down here." And that was the first time I'd seen Fred. since like 2011 and so I walked up to him and was like hey man you know how are you doing and everything like that and it was just kind of like just kind of it is it it was five six years ago that that happened so it was just kind of y'all hadn't talked since then huh no man and weird uh, huh this freaking this this, this industry man yeah but I mean at the same time you know he came up gave me a hug and was like, Hey man, how are you doing? Instantly asked how my parents were doing. Like it was, it was cool. And then I've seen him, you know, I've seen him a couple shows here and there, um, over the, over the course of the past few years. So it's just, you know, so do you have any regrets, Kyle, with where you sit right now? Do you have regrets of the way that, you know, your maturity level might not have been there back in the day? And I've made, I did the same thing. I could tell you same stories of, of grounds and zinc when I went from grounds to zinc and, you know, it happens. It's, it's a decision you make, but looking back on it, do you wish you would have done it different? Do you wish you would have had more insight to, to handle it different or are you fine with the way it flowed? Um, I mean, where I'm sitting now, it, it worked out, you know, how, however it is, however it is, it, it, it worked out. Uh, and I'm where in doing what I love to do. Um, but at, you know, looking back, I'm like, man, I wish I wouldn't have made a couple of those decisions and, and just never. What decision, which one do you wish you wouldn't well, have made? Just, I mean, it was, are you glad you went to fields call company? Did they have a good call? Were you competing on that and winning on that call? Oh yeah. I mean that, that, uh, that trophy right there. And then the one above it, those were both one on, those were both one on field proven calls. So, I mean, there's absolutely no, you know, no regret going, uh, with field or, with anybody else, but just the way that I personally handled, you know, the whole leaving Fred and all that stuff, it just kind of, you know, it was one of those things where you look back after three or four years and you're like, man, I shouldn't have reacted the way I did. Well, you got, you can't, you, I don't want you to, you can't, I'm not asking the question for you to think or analyze it like you need to beat yourself. I mean, think about Freddie. Yeah. What's what? What did Freddie do in his in his heyday? He he had a great relationship. Was one of the best call makers of all time. Freddie had talent. Freddie had the ability to get that talent out there in a different way that he saw, just like you did when you were with him. And he went and he started his own deal. So it's it's a it's a weird chemistry when you start talking about you know because I I went through the same thing with Freddie. Best friends. I mean, we traveled the world together. Like he was my and he still is. I still love the guy, even though we don't talk as much as we once did because I had left and I went out and did the foul life and then started banded calls. And it's part of the evolution of business and free enterprise in America. I, we ne- we didn't reinvent the wheel with our calls or our TV show. I just had the ability to go do it. I took a liking to it and I had that spirit to go and do things. And I, you look at it and you're like, well, could things have been worked out with zinc and did things different? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. 
I have no idea. I don't know if I'd have went to Freddie and said, hey, let's do a TV show together. I don't know where that went. But where I sit now, like you said, everything worked out. And Freddie and I can hug and Don and I can hug and Gunner and I can all every, all of us are cool. Freddie's been on this podcast. I want to hunt with him more. I've uh, We're trying to talk about doing some hunts now that he can travel a little bit more again. But look at how it worked out for him. The guy's sitting pretty, right? He did it his way. If he would have stayed and working shows for Tim Grounds and blowing calls and blowing the half breed and then coming out with the super mag and competing with that and blowing those calls and wearing a Tim Grounds get down cover up hat and in a, in a, one of those badass vests that we all used to wear that had the half breed embroidered on it, you know, then Freddie wouldn't be sitting where he's at right now, owning a pizza place with his wife and, and living the life that he wants to live. So you, it's all, it's all relative to where it's, it's human nature for people to get uh, upset. Dude, when Tim, when somebody would leave Tim, Tim would get upset. Tim got mad at foils and Tim, and I don't know how everything was done or if it was done the right way or ethically or anything. It's not, it's not my call. I just know that Tim is the godfather, right? He has it in his head that I got all these guys on me. And then all of a sudden guys see a loophole, like, well, I can go do this on my own. So foils leaves zinc leaves sean stall leaves i mean everybody goes these different directions going to go do their own path so i don't think it's a regret thing i don't think it, that might have been a wrong way to answer the ask the question to you <clears throat> i just simply was wondering like when you sit there do you wish that you would have stayed a part of a certain team at, at that kind of regret did you think that your that your path could have been better um you know if you would have stayed part of that zinc team and built that business up with him and you just said you're sitting pretty right now. You're you're you're, at, you're where you want to be and where you should be. And it's led you to your fiance. It's led you to Kelly. It's led you to Mo Marsh. It's led you to Higdon. It's led you to Higdon TV. It's led you to two World Goose Calling Championships. I mean, there's no there can't be any regrets in that. You did the right thing. Yep. Yep. No, I agree. It's uh, but you know, it, it's one of those where when you ask that question, you're like, oh man, what. You know, you never know, but I mean, where I'm at now, it's, it's obvious that there was a, there was a plan in place, uh, later on in life. And it obviously, you know, it's, it's worked out, um, to, you know, how I was hoping it would. The truth is, is that there's not a whole lot of difference in goose calls. All right. You can't, you can't take a moneymaker or an, an, an NOS. You can't take a field proven. You can't take a power call. You can't take the, you know, like the wrecking ball that we used to make it banded they're all short read goose calls the guts the shaving of the reed how you maneuver your guts and manipulate your guts you, the call that you sell at powers is probably not the same exact set of guts and read that you blow on stage which is just being honest you can get there with it with a lot of practice and wearing in those guts and and, and doing things to get you know get a more re- suit readily suitable for contest calling and making a lot more notes i'm not saying that a power calls you can't do a lot of notes off of you know, out of the box call. I'm just saying that a lot of competition callers, you know, manipulate their guts and their read. And that's just the way it is. Um, and you can talk on that if you want, but I think that nobody's reinventing the wheel here. If you have the ability to go build a career, that's the best thing you can freaking do. And Freddie's stance is at first, it's probably like, damn it, man, that's my dude. Right. And then he looks at it like, man, kind of like Tim does. Tim can have his fingers on pretty much every piece of the success in this industry. If you look back the last 20 years, there's not one person you can name. I would gather try to right now. Can you, you know, that, that game seven degrees to Kevin Bacon. You ever heard that to where you can say a name and you can relate it back to them in a movie with Kevin Bacon or them on stage or something relates back. It's called seven degrees or six degrees to Kevin Bacon. Can you do it with Tim Grounds? Can you think of anybody that was not touched by that man in their calling career or their calling business? To be to be honest, there's nobody. There's nobody that I can think of. Person, I mean, there's like I don't know how Lynch. I don't know if Lynch was associated with them. I don't know the history of that, but I know Mm -hmm. Freddie was, and I know Foyles was, and I know Stahl was, and Big Sean and Field Hud and all, and 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 you and Hunter and Kelly Powers, the guy that you that is your mentor now is literally he's responsible for helping build Tim grounds calls. I mean, he won the worlds in 99 and before he took the short read revolution by storm. Right. Yep. Yep. And there's actually a, there's a picture in our warehouse or not our warehouse, but our showroom. And in the middle is Tim. The only people that are not pictured, um, is Hunter and, uh, I think foils, but you've got Fred, 
in the picture. You've got Kelly. You've got Alti Lanham. You've got Richie McKnight. You've got, I think it's Gary or Alan McCree, one of the one of the McCrees. Uh, you've got Troy Dishner, and you've got Stahl. I mean, the, all those guys are in one picture, and you're just uh, like, Where was cool. the picture taken? On a stage somewhere, obviously, yeah? No. Was it, it was a contest? At, it was at a – they were goose hunting. There's just a – there's some – some decoys around them and they were all hunting out of, I think they were hunting in Southern Illinois or crab orchard. Yeah. And, and there, it's just like, Holy crap. Like there's a, there's some talent there on a goose call, but at the yeah, same time you're like, that's the majority of the goose call or goose call waterfowl industry right there. And it's, that's like three quarters of it, you know? Yeah. And you know, like the McCree brothers, they were modifying old calls and they were killing it with, with flute calls, they were goosey as heck. Alan probably, I don't know who was more so. Gary was awesome too, but they were still buddies with Tim. They were touched by Tim. Tim was influenced by them as well. Tim was modifying old calls when he came out with the guide's best. Um, there was a lot of influence everywhere. So you can't look at it like, I've always asked myself that, like Kelly, who's one of the most down-to-earth ethical human beings I know, I love Kelly Powers, but he went out and started his own thing too. He was the most loyal person in the world to Tim Grounds. And what did he do? He he made the decision to to go on his own and do his thing because that's what his heart was telling him. There's nothing wrong with that. Everybody has the right to go and do business. People are going to leave. The ones that stay with you and, and, and stick it through the hard times and stay, stay the course, you know, then it was meant to be. Some people are going to leave and go do their own thing and more power to them. But the first reaction is like, damn it. Uh, hope they fail, hope they don't win another contest on somebody else's call kind of deal. That's nature. That's natural. But, you know, Freddie get, Freddie knew exactly what he was doing the entire time. That dude was a chess maneuver, chess piece maneuver in SOB that was badass at it. And he could take the, an idea and say, well, dude, I could build a turkey call, but I don't know how to kill a turkey. I, I know how to kill a turkey, but I don't have any credibility in it. So what does he do? He goes out and finds the badasses like Shane and Josh that do have credibility that are winning the Grand National and, and winning the big contest, right, for NWTF. And what happens? The turkey division explodes, right? Smart. The dude is smart. He knows what he's doing. He knew what he was doing when he called Kyle Jones and said, hey, man, you're, I, I need to call for eight, 25 and younger. Dude, that's a business decision. We need, to, we need to market to the younger crowd, the new blood, the new money coming up. Because all these old guys, they're not going to keep buying short read goose calls forever. We need to get that younger generation right now and hook them with a flame. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, all the all those other calls that he had, you know, for a series of years, I think three, two, three years ago, they stopped doing it. But, you know, he had a full line of duck and goose calls that were, all flames, all, you know, there was the NOS, COD, NBN. Um, they were, there was duck calls too. So, you know, he had a, it was a, it was a huge business. Decision he had there. flames on his trailer for 20 years. He had flames oh, yeah. on his shirts. He had, Freddie was a rock and roll listening. He, Jeff Voiles did the rock videos, but Freddie, Freddie was so diverse and he had flames. He had country music he had rock music he had rap music he's he you're diversified you could if somebody puts on a rap song you're like oh yeah nwa easy i know that if somebody puts on poison or guns and roses da, 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 da. If somebody puts on hank jr you got it that's a salesman man that's knowing how to go in there and and, and relate to your customer oh you you i see an excavator over there freddie could talk about that oh i see some wood over there i could talk about woodwork oh i oh i see some decoy carvings over there you could talk about carving a decoy Oh, I could, he could run a mo. you know, he could fix a motor. Oh, I, you know, uh, building a blind. He just had all this knowledge that he gained through his travels, through his guiding, through his outfitting, through his filming, through his association with Tim Grounds, through his association with Avery Outdoors and Tom Matthews and then Greenhead Gear. And Freddie was, he, Freddie knew exactly what he was doing and kudos to him. So me leaving, I look at like, I knew exactly what I was doing. I had the ability to go out and try it. And I'm, I'm, I don't have any regrets. Now, with that being said, you often think like, <clears throat> yeah, could it, where would it have gone if, if, uh, if I was still going to Port Clinton, Ohio all the time working with Freddie? He sold the company. I might have been left out to dry. I don't know. You just, you, you make decisions and you run with them. And that's the way that I look at it is like, it's, it's like a contest routine. You make the decision to go down that route. You don't change your routine right in the middle of it. If you do, then you're probably not going to be successful. You stick with what you're good at. The reason I failed as a competition goose caller is that I would go to a contest and I'd hear Kyle Jones do something to where I was like, 
shit, I can do that. And then I would try to do it and it wasn't me. Like if somebody tried to do your ending and your low end and they, they can't get it because it's not them, the judges have picked that apart. The reason you score so well that I felt, and then Kelly kind of validated it, is that your ending is just leaves the judges going, holy shit, that's a goose, right? So people, they can't come in and do that. They can't take that from you. You've already hammered your your initials in that stone right there. That's your deal. That's your warm-up. That's your ending. That's what you hammer them with, which... There's a lot more that goes into it. Don't get me wrong. The hours of practice and everything. But I think it's an interesting conversation that, that you, you know, Freddie loses you and then you go to field and Fe- Freddie had lost field, but Tim had lost Freddie. Freddie started competing against Tim and, and then it's just a, a weird transgression. That's business, man. I think that's how business starts. I see it in construction. I know you've seen it. How many times, you know how many times I've seen a personal trainer leave his employment and go start his own gym and then get over there and go, where the hell are all the clients? The only clients that he had were the ones that were coming into that gym because of what the owner was doing to market and really build a what? A culture. So that culture's there. He's got all these clients. Some of them are like, yeah, if you go out on your own, I'll go with you. So he leaves, he goes out on his own, they go with him. And then what? There's nobody else coming. So he's like, man, now I need to invest in marketing. I need to invest in personnel. I got to buy all this equipment. There's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of investment into this. It's not easy to go out and start a business and take it to where Fred Zink took that business. I mean, that's what he did with that company is amazing. Truly amazing. Mm-hmm. It is. So, it's, it was a uh, paved the way for a lot of other guys. Big you time. Know, huge. It was me, huge. he paved the way for me. I mean, if I never, if I never went on the road with Fred Zink, we would not have the foul life. That is as simple as that straight up. Like I 100%, I'll tell anybody if I learned, I learned how to hide. I learned how to hide cameras. I learned how to network. I was meeting people left and right. The way that it all happened was Freddie invited Ducks Unlimited Water Dog, Justin Tackett and Shannon Nardi to Saskatchewan. Mm -hmm. And I was up there in Wilkie, Saskatchewan, hunting out of a motel with these guys, loving life. We were just having a blast. And at the end of it, I was asked by, by that production company that, that built that show, Waterdog, that helped film one of, the, one of the videographers. They said that they wanted to do a West Coast swing of Western hunting in Idaho, Oregon, California, Nevada. So they said, do you have any, can you do that? And I said, yeah, come on. So they came out here. I took Justin Tackett on a six-day or seven-day little route around a couple states, and we got some awesome uh, episodes laid down, right? That's how the foul life started. If it wasn't for Justin Tackett and Shannon Nardi, who I love Shannon Nardi to death, I don't talk to Tackett anymore. I don't know where Tackett is, really. I know he's in Arkansas somewhere. He's a badass. That dude was so awesome. He's the best of all time on camera, man. That yeah, dude is so too. smooth. And Oh, yeah, yellow was awesome. But yeah. that if it wasn't for Shannon and him coming to Saskatchewan and if it wasn't for Freddie having me up there and if it wasn't for Freddie putting that together, I don't know what would happen. I, I, I would, I would be selling portable toilets or, or still blowing a zinc call. Maybe who knows, which is fine. I was a toilet pumper, man. I was pumping toilets. That's what I was, dude. I was a turd burglar. That's what they, my, my shirt said, Kyle. Okay. Competition calling. Goose hunting. Do you hunt Canada geese a lot? You from Michigan where it's a little bit prevalent. It's more prevalent there. You live in Kentucky now to where you'll get some, but you don't get a bunch anymore. Do you, do you still, you travel with the Higdon film crew? Are y'all still filming? Are you guys filming that show still? Yeah. 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 We're still, I think it's season, season seven this year, season six or season seven. Right. Uh, I've been with them now for uh, two years. Uh, filming with them and everything like that. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll go to Saskatchewan or, um, a couple other States and go up there and film. But no, I, I try to in West Kentucky, like you said, man, like Canada goose hunting is, I mean, you've got September to kill Canada geese and, cause it's all the locals. Um, but I'll try to get up to Michigan, uh, as much as I can, because that's, you know, that's where, that's where I cut my teeth, Canada goose hunting. And there's, Canada's everywhere up there. I mean, they've got an unbelievable population of Canada geese. And so I'll go up there three to four times in the fall, whenever I can on a weekend or something like that last, last minute trip, uh, and try to hunt them as much as possible, uh, when I can, because I know I'm not going to get the opportunity to shoot one in Kentucky. Are you good at it? I'm confident 
um, and I'm confident in the abilities to go out and, and, and hunt them and kill them. Yeah. So how much, how much do you think the stage transgress transgresses, transgresses into the field? Um, at first the, the, that was the biggest struggle was trying to transition that, but I was also a young hunter, you know, I was 15, 16 right. years old. So I was sitting out there just going wild on a goose call, not reading the geese. And finally, you know, after a few years of realizing why, what's, why it's not working and transitioning it over to what I need to do when I need to do it and what I need to say when I need to say it, it turned that helped that competition calling helped because now I'd be confident in going to some of the most pressured areas of that you can hunt, whether it's Minnesota, Wisconsin, Maryland, and or Southern Illinois, you know, I know that the guys that are all next to me that are hunting down the road, you know, they're, they're able to do only a certain few number of things, but I've got a whole playbook here that I can go and I can pick and choose what notes I want to use when I need to use them, what I need to say when I need to say it versus having vocabulary book of A through D. I've now got vocabulary A through Z, you know, and that's, that helped me, uh, after a few years, uh, of Canada goose hunting was, you know, I struggled. I I'm not gonna lie. I struggled pretty, it was pretty rough hunting with me from 16, 17, 18. But once I got to that 19, eight, you know, 19 on, it was like text, like, you know, just reading, learning how to read Canada geese and knowing what to say, when to say it just turned into night and day difference, uh, from where I was when I was 16, 17, 18. Has your move down here now? Are you, are you, would you rather chase a mallard duck now than a Canada goose moving to different region of the country to where you're kind of in the hotbed of mallard duck hunting or close to it? So uh, little, go, we're going to rewind here. I, I grew up in Washington state and Washington state has absolutely unbelievable duck hunting. So whenever I moved to Michigan, Michigan was kind of, Oh, what part? No. Sorry. What part of Washington state? Tri-cities or Eastern Washington? Or no, no, no. I was on, I was on the West side of the Cascades. So I oh, was, I was, uh, over in between Seattle and Tacoma. So we were hunting like, dude, Mount Rainier is right in my backyard, like hunting sheet water. Like that was my favorite type Widgeons, of Widgeons. Lots of Widgeons, huh? Widgeons. Like, dude, if you shot, if you shot seven mount, like if you shot a full limit of mallards on the West side of Washington, like, man, you've done something. Yeah. Cause you they're know? usually on the East side. Yep. Yep. Did you and hunt the Puget so, Sound? Did you hunt Puget Sound a bunch? I, I didn't hunt the Sound much. It was all just mainly because I was 13, 14 years old whenever I was hunting out there. So like the whole area that I hunted was all surrounding my hometown, which was, you know, just a small dairy farming community. So it was just, uh, you know, I would ride my bike to go scout sometimes or something like that. So like, you know, it was, I had to deal with what I was I had to basically, you know, Kelly's always like, Hey, you got to control it, control it. What back when I was that, that young, I could only go so far because, right. you know, my dad didn't hunt. So he would just be like, all right, yeah, I'll take you because you know, you want to go, but, or I so you, so you've been hunting ducks for, you've been hunting ducks as long as you've been hunting Canada geese, even before you moved to Michigan to get into the Canada goose deal. Now you're in Kentucky. Yep. You, you're, you're, in product development for power calls, you're working with Higdon decoys. What's your full-time role right now? So full-time is for Higdon outdoors, Momarsh power calls. I'm, uh, one of the sales sales account managers. Uh, so I oversee, you know, a series of accounts throughout the country and across the country, um, selling decoys, blinds calls. Uh, and then for power calls, I'm the call production manager. So, uh, you know, development, uh, making sure calls are tuned, everything like that is, is on me. Um, and then, you know, for, for a TV host, that's, you know, Higgin Outdoors TV. I'm one of the hosts there. So there's kind of a variety of roles there. Uh, but we're still pretty small company. Um, so when you so talk about variety of roles, talk to me about a couple people. Who are the other hosts on the show? At so one, I, I saw, I haven't seen the show. Where y'all air at? Is it on, is it on online now mainly? It's, it's all on pursuit because y'all were sportsman's channel for a minute, right? Or a couple seasons at least. I think that was 
whenever I first started was our transition from sportsman's or outdoor to pursuit champion. And wasn't the host a Canadian guy? Uh, it was in the beginning. Yes. What was, was his name? I can't remember. Um, okay. You can't think of it either. He no, was an outfitter up there or something. Maybe. Yep. 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 Corey, Corey, Corey. Corey. Yeah. So he's, is yeah. he around still? No, he's kind of, you know, it, with family and everything like that. He had a young son that was growing up pretty quick. And I think he just saw how much time that it was taking to do the TV show and really got into wanting to be a dad and wanting to be around and experience everything that he's experiencing as a dad. That's a know. good call for sure. Trust me. So yeah, your that one video, your your daughter, man, she shot that canvas back. That was like, I was like, man, that's hopefully one day. You know, oh, dude, she nice. started crying. I started crying. Remy was crying. <laughs> Les was crying. I'm like, dude, you talk about getting revitalized, man, and rejuvenated over duck hunting and seeing what it means to people. You had a 78 year old man that day that was turning 79 that day. That was his birthday. He's been there, done that in hunting. He's killed every North American wild game animal. He's in the Hall of Fame for Boone and Crockett. He's traveled the world hunting big game and ducks. He's He's got some of the best duck dogs that I've seen. His son's an unreal trainer, and he's crying. Like, it just was like, you've seen it all. You've killed sheep at 11,000 feet and this one canvas back bull, this, this nine-year-old girl with a 410, and it just ate us up, dude. It was like... You talk about special and this praying to God and everything happening like 20 or 19 or 20 minutes left and shooting hours and, and her, you see me touching my face. The first thing that they're saying over coronavirus is don't touch your face. And I'm like, dude, I'm always freaking touching my face. People are always calling me out, but it was like 19 or 20 minutes left in shooting hours. And my friend Wade Platts, his daughter, Lucy had done it the few minutes before got hers and it was coming down to the wire. And there's only one day of the youth hunt. You can't hunt the whole weekend, just Saturday. And, and my daughter, I, I couldn't believe it. Let's just leave it at that. A 410, and she smoked that deal, dude, and he was dead in the decoy's feet up and pistol, the yellow lab, brought it back, and it was just special. So, yeah, I think he, Corey made a right call. So then who do you have? You have you and who are the other hosts? Kelly is a host? Uh, Kelly Kelly is one of the hosts. Um, a guy named Brooke Richard, uh, he's one of the hosts. He's from Louisiana. Um, and then he actually he works in the office with me as well. Uh, and then you've got, uh, Bo Brooks, um, is the other host as well. So, yep. So Bo's from Bo's originally from Washington state as well. He grew uh, up Is he Boone. new? Yes. Who yeah. was the original host? The bigger guy? Uh, Boone. Yeah. So Boone was on this past year. Um, uh, but actually in December, uh, Boone kind of, he made a decision that he wanted to go back to school and, and go into being, being in a trade. So he kind of, um, he was, this past season was his last season as being a host. Oh, so gotcha. So did Bo his, take his place? Yep. So, and Bo is, Bo's hilarious. I mean, he's, he's a, I always tell everybody like, there's a, there's a few people that are out there that are, that can be an animal jukebox. And he's, you know, he's one of them. Like he's gotten on stage at the grand national Turkey calling contests and he's qualified for that. I think he, he missed the first or second cut by like a point. And so, and that was his first year ever up there. And then he's at like world elk and he's taking second in world elk. Wow. And then, you know, so he's just, he's just extremely talented on a duck, a duck call, goose call, turkey call, elk call, you know, it, it's, it's everything. So we've got, we've got a good solid crew of guys um, that all are, you know, uh, very proficient uh, on calls, but at the same time, they're, they're knowledgeable uh, with the, the variety of animals that we're chasing. Is Richie McKnight a Kentucky guy? Yep. He lives he, he lives about an hour and 15, an hour and 20 away from me. He's one of the nicest guys I've ever met in the industry, and he is a freaking killer dude. Turkeys and geese and ducks, that dude is a he's an assassin. And I remember I teamed up with him at the 2003 Ducks Unlimited Festival in Memphis, Tennessee. And called with him in the team. And I was like, damn, Richie McKnight's calling with me. He's letting me be on his team. You know, I was like that guy going, holy shit, dude. And we, and I think Big Sean and somebody ended up winning that contest. I think we got second or third out of like 40 teams. And I was, man, I was, that's like, I was on cloud nine, Kyle. Like I got to call with Richie McKnight, right? And he was with Zinc at the time. He was blowing a Zinc call. He had his own Zinc call at that time. If you remember back in the day, Richie had his own call with Freddie and 
like I don't know, thirty or forty teams at that Ducks Unlimited Festival. Yeah, Richie McKnight, dude. He's I don't get to talk to him much anymore. He's he's doing some kind of online TV record filming too, isn't he? Yep, yep. He's been doing. Um, he's been working with like Bandit and and uh, I think like uh, with with calls. I can't remember. He's doing grounds for goose calls and duck calls. Yeah, and I saw him for, working with Hunter on some video stuff. And uh, and then. Uh, with turkey calls, I can't remember, but man, he's been doing, he's doing a lot of filming hunts. You know, he was, I watched a video the other day. He was filming with Jay Cutler, you know, the old quarterback for Chicago bears. And, um, and then he was filming turkey hunts, goose hunts, duck hunts, everything like that. So he's kind of got his own little deal he's working on. And yeah, he's a cool dude, man. Do you talk to him anymore? Uh, I'll see him. I'll see him at goose calling contests. Like the last time I, last time I saw him was at, uh, the Ballard County goose calling contest and he was actually competing uh he was trying to he he's wanting to get back up on stage and uh he he was actually doing really really well in his last routine uh his third round routine he had a little bit of a scratch and and he's just he's talented he's got flow for days like goose goose calling flow just like smooth every single transition is just crystal clear um and it's it sounds like a song it's it's like pretty like that you know yeah. so it's it, it, it's it's cool to hear him call because you knew that i'm competing against a guy that was like we talked about was competing all in the heyday of goose calling and everything like that and it's and he still is up there competing against us and it's it's pretty cool yeah he's a he's a an og but that dude is a hammer man he can just sound like you're talking about that bow guy richie just sounds like ducks sounds like geese emulates turkeys and then you got Powers, who we all know about Powers. He's been on the podcast a couple times. He's the master. He's the top competitor of all time, I would say. Yeah. Um, Hunter's right there talent-wise. You're going for your third consecutive World Goose Calling Championship. It, well, let's just make sure that it – hopefully, right? Hopefully this coronavirus goes away and we hold the contest in November and we all get to go back there. I'm hoping to MC it again. Are you practicing right now in April? It's turkey season starts this Saturday. Are you practicing your routine yet, or is it too far out? To be to be honest, uh, I have not practiced probably probably in like a month and a half. Uh, Don't be getting lax, Kyle. I know, just because. Of, well, see, after dude, I came home from winning in November, and I was practicing like then. Like I was like, all right, and I was trying to get in a routine of doing it daily. And it was just, you know, duck hunting season and goose hunting, goose hunting season kind of got a hold of me. And then turkeys, man, you asked if I would rather chase Canada's or Ballard's. And I'm like, dude, don't I'm- say it, Kyle. I'll hang up on you. <laughs> don't even say it. If you say it, I will stab you with this pencil. I, yeah. I saw it. Dude, don't, if you feel that way, just don't say it. Let's just, let's just, okay. let's just act like we'll you do. never said that. So, you yeah. know, turkey season's coming up. So I've been kind of focused. Uh, quite a bit on, on turkey season. So, oh, dang. Uh, big but, old ugly ostrich looking freaking thing. <laughs> no, I love, I love it too, but it's nothing yeah. like mallard hunt. But we can have that talk later. Yeah, yeah. It's not even on the set. Do you have your call there with you? Do you have any calls sitting by you? Uh, duck or goose calls? Anything? I don't. Well, uh, of course, goose. You're a goose I've man. Some, I've got some goose calls. Do you I've have your competition call there? Yep. I do. Let me see it. Hold it up. I want to see that bad boy. Is this the one that you won the worlds with? Yep. That's, that's it, the, huh? That's the exact one. What is it? A um, carbon fiber? Uh, it's just the carbon fiber barrel with an acrylic, uh, with an acrylic insert. So, uh, but yeah, man, that's it. That's Can I have the, that? Can you sign that for me and send it to you? <laughs> I, I know you got. I Take it apart. You. Take it apart. I want to see the read. Is it blown out? No, it's still. Anybody that's listening to this can't see this, but if you're watching it on YouTube, um, go subscribe to our YouTube channel, and you can see Kyle Jones. I mean, He's got it marked with a sharpie. It's pretty. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't even look shaved much. Is it shaved at all? Nope. It's full read. Do you do you compete with a full read? Full read. Look at yeah. you. You don't see that happening much, or I don't know. Is it happening a lot these days? Um, it's like there. It's a a little popular with a few guys, but most guys are shaving their reads and and making sure that they're they're shaving down. But I like I like a full read because it's, uh, you know, you can in my opinion, you prolong the life of the read. Um, but at the same time, it's, I think you're just getting a little bit more snap and pop with it too. You know, with, with a shaved read, you're able to get some, some more note variation or a little bit better low end because that reads just 
paper, you know, it's so thin, but whenever you throw a full read in there, I think it's just, you know, it, it, it really helps with just giving you pop and power. Um, do me a favor, try this. I don't know how this audio is going to be. Are you, are you plugged into a laptop? Unplug your headphones and take them off and then step back there by that Turkey fan and, and do a little sampling for me. I got to hear that Kyle Jones sound and maybe bless us with that low end ending. If you can get to it, don't give away all your secrets though. Cause I I'm thinking about entering the contest this year. <laughs> damn it boy (laughs) i love that man all right i'll give you time to put your headphones back in now you analyze you're a two-time world goose calling champion and i don't want i don't want any i would just want complete honesty and transparency when you challenged my when you called me out the other day and last week or whenever that was did that sound okay how was it compared to like the what you just did, do you remember what I did? Can you go? You got your phone there to go back and look at it. Yeah. Do you remember when I when you called me out and I went and then you you uh and then I and then I reposted that video or, or posted my own calling video? Do you remember that? Oh yeah, no, I remember because uh, I remember I was like, oh, he did it. Because I mean, there's been guys that I'll tag or that I've been tagged by, and I I'll be honest, I didn't do it. Um, but, of course I'm gonna do it with you calling me out. Yeah. John David yeah. did it. Did you watch his video? Yeah, dude. He's duck, man. He is like Oh, he's so freaking good. That dude. dude, that high hand, that video. Isn't I think it, it sick that, that high hand he does? That chit chat, I think it was, and he had a he had a video of it, and I was like, gosh dang, dude. That just sounds like that whenever you're sitting in a refuge or in a cornfield, you hear all those hands that are close to you that are just like and that just sounded like a hen that was like 100 yards back that just me 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 oh he does it so good dude yeah oh yeah i remember chris our partner though man he uh the my co-founder in jargon he he's got some sick ducks too that he's hitting on that chit chat yeah you you can say it kyle i'll 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 get you one he's good i'll get you i'll get you one for duck season i got that video right here Yeah, dude. I mean, I could, so it's, it's kind of weird, but I can recognize like if you played that and I didn't know who was calling, I knew exactly what, where you were from. Yeah. Like what West coast, because it's, they've got, you guys have, it's like a style. I don't know what it, it, it's just like a, it's not a series of notes, but it's just like a, uh, it's just a style of calling that I can tell. It's like, I can tell that you're, hunting an edge hide and either running traffic or what, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I can just tell, uh, like if you threw Saunders up there or, or any of those guys from the East coast or West coast, like I can tell whenever there's a, there's a West coast influence out there, but dude, I mean, that's sounds, that was a, was that a G force overhauler overhauler? Yeah. So even, and then when you throw G force on there, it's going to be even a little bit deeper, but that, that sounded great. Yeah. Yeah. Should I enter the contest? Do it. Don't don't tempt me, Kyle. No, I'm serious, man. We would work on it. Like get a get your routine down. You dude, I'm totally messing with you. I do not have time to even <laughs> practice, dude. I swear, man. It's I'm like, serious though. It, dude, competition calling is hard. Yeah. It is hard. Yeah. I used to I used to travel everywhere, man. Mm-hmm. I used to try to just I just go there and give them my you know I donate my entry fee money to the winner and but I won some I took top five and some I I did good in the worldwide in two thousand five which was the top twenty five cars in the country got invited to that and Kelly ended up winning it but I was in the top three and yeah. um, going into the last round Trinan was right there and Big Sean I think Field maybe Tim was in that contest 
uh dude it was a hammer man hunter was there so there was there was you know sportsman's warehouse was throwing a ton of contests at that time and i was going all over idaho and washington and montana and oregon and california nevada and then i was all over the midwest and i was just trying my hand at all of it and but it was a different level i mean i you you had guys that would that were doing things that i was i was so far behind Mm-hmm. And I was just trying to make it up as I went. But I, I, what I, what I capitalize on is what we started this conversation with that network. I started to build and meeting Freddie and meeting retailers and meeting manufacturers and meeting the guys at Avery. And then, you know, I started pro staffing with Avery in 2001 and, and that turned into a job with them while I was starting my own toilet company out here. And that networking was everything of the time you got to spend with guys that had that same common bond and common interest that we did competition calling and duck and goose is it's badass man it's cool it's a way it's a it's a a great way to learn the industry and get your foot in the door and meet people and get jobs and i don't know how many times you get hit up a week by people that want to work in the industry i'm sure it's a lot and it's it's hard to tell them what to do what do you tell somebody hey i want to do what you do and i'm like I don't know if you tell them the pro staff for company anymore do you go to shot show with some resumes and do you get i tell them to get educated Learn business models, learn communication, learn networking, learn negotiation skills. Um, You know, I I try to tell them, get it out of your head that winning the world goose isn't going to make you a uh, big time duck call, goose call, rich, you know, business guy. That's it doesn't happen in this in this world. It just doesn't. You I don't know of any. I, I really don't. Now, I know guys that won the world goose that started their own companies and did well. Or, you know, like T- Kelly talks about in the podcast, there's a lot of goose callers that have transitioned into a, sh- into a successful business career, right? But I, it's, it's hard to tell that kid, like, how do you do it? You did it by hunting and then getting into competition calling. Freddie did it by getting into competition calling. Kelly did it by getting into competition call- calling. Scott Trinan, Molt Gear. Hold on one sec. I don't know what that means. Okay, I got that. Um... So you'd look at all of these guys that have done it, right? Competition calling. And it's not just winning. It's competing. It's competitive nature. It's ideas. It's networking. It's friendships. It's respect. It's all of that. Yeah, and I think that what you've done is awesome, dude. You've made, you've got, you're, you're on this voyage. And to see what you've accomplished at 27, 28 years old, dude, the sky's the limit. You could be in three more years. You could freaking tell Ben Higdon. Like I love Ben Higdon, by the way, we haven't even talked about him and Ira McCauley. I could hang with the Ira McCauley and Ben (laughs) Higdon every day. Like I love them two dudes, right? Yeah. Ira's I beg Ira. Let's go turkey hunt. Let's go. Let's go snow goose hunt. Let's go duck hunt. Let's go do something. Right. He was coming out here to do a swan hunt and some shit went down with the guy's family that really sucked that I don't want to get into, but Man, that guy, those two guys are awesome. And I don't know either one of them very well, but my time with them at the Kentucky Derby and then texting and stuff since, dude, I love both of those guys. And Ira, man, he seems like he's just a go-getter, man. So is Ben, obviously. You, you and Ira, if you two got together and just and didn't even hunt, didn't even hunt, and just did a cooking segment, it would be, it would be unbelievable. Yeah, I want to do dude, it with him. I know because I watch your stuff all the time. You're throwing down uh, every day, but man, he he cooked for us whenever we went up there. We went and filmed an episode, um, and he cooked, dude. And you can tell, like his him and his brother were like, you know, when people aren't measuring stuff and just putting stuff together and making unbelievable, like they, you know, they've done that a time or two. Like his oh, yeah. brother was making this bread. And he's just, he just gets this bowl out and pours, he just pours the, the flour into it. I love it. Pours like oil and. Well, tell him to tell, I'm going to hit him up. I, I'd, I'd like to do that, man. But yeah, those, you, you're in a special spot, dude. Yep. So we need to get together and camp this year. Let's get on a hunt. You guys come out to California. I already talked to Powers about it. He doesn't leave his house. So maybe you can come if you're not filming come and hang out for a couple days, but I appreciate you coming on. Let's do this again. I want to get more into the goose calling and the routines and the actual notes. I just kind of wanted to cover the beginning of your story right now and just, you know, get that, the word out there that dude, you can do this. You can get into this industry. You can win goose calling contests. You can get a job in the industry. You can, you can film TV and travel and have people pay your expenses and get it. Kyle's living the American dream. He's got a beautiful fiance, a great dog, a great job, a great career. He's building. Congratulations, Kyle Jones. Thanks for being here, brother. Thanks for having me, man.
That's been another episode of the Foul Life Podcast. Please, again, continue to support the sponsors and partners that support us. Gerber Gear, thank you. Today's episode was also brought to you by our friends at Nutrient Ag Solutions, the number one farming, ranching, nutrient ag solution company in the world. What we're getting ready to embark on with them, it is sustainability, farming, hunting, ranching, conservation. It all goes together. Farmers are what paved the way for Americans and American wildlife. So look for big things coming from the Foul Life and Nutrient Ag Solutions. Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. Tom, hit that button. This is 2AM Logic. The song is called My Foul Life.